Come and hear the joy of Christmas. Listen for the angel's song. Good morning. We are glad that you are here at Doorsville. Thanks for choosing our church to be your church today. And wow, we've had some wonderful worship. And it's just good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm excited about being able to share with you just a little bit more about the Christmas story. Now today, in fact, it's interesting. You know, Christmas is the shepherd's story. We find the shepherds all over. Now, our sermon series... probably need to explain just a little bit. What does C4 mean? Well, C4 is an explosive, and we're tying it on to C4, explosive joy. And the C4, besides being an explosive, is what makes it explosive joy. It's what that C4 stands for. And, you know, we began last week, and we talked about the cradle. You know, all started that day. on. Actually, started way before that. But for us, it starts on the cradle. And then today, we're moving to the crook, and that's the shepherd's crook. And we're going to talk about the big role that shepherds play play in the Christmas story. And then we've got the cross, and later on, on, on Christmas Eve, we're going to celebrate with the crown. So, you know, it's no accident, our starting point, you know, it's no accident that shepherds play such a big part in, in the Christmas story. So I want to jump on that. It is no accident that the Christmas story is the story of shepherds. No story, no short back. Let me start, first off, those words right there, it is no accident. You know, Brent did such a wonderful job talking about Bethlehem and what an incredible part that is of the Christmas story. And as it said in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, you have all the small villages and all the small tribes of Judah, then here Bethlehem was chosen to be the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, prophesied thousands, or excuse me, hundreds of years um, before his birth. How did that come about? How, how did God pull that out? And, you know, we've just said, you know, Christmas isn't about accidents or incidentals. It's about promises and it's about prophecies. How did God pull that out? Well, it's interesting because, as you know from the uh, Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, the Bible says that Caesar Augustus called for a census. Now, history proves that wasn't the regular deal. There was not, they have them, you know, like annually or something, just like, you know, the tax department loves to come around here in Harrisburg, and once or every once or two years, they love to reassess your property, and they send you just a little letter and says, we think your house is so wonderful, we're going to increase the taxes on it. Has anyone experienced that Christmas joy? Yeah, anyway, so yeah, so anyway, so what happens is, history shows us that it wasn't time for the regular census. They would, you know, have these census, and the sole purpose was to bring money into the coffers. Well, Caesar Augustus nudged by God, right around the time of Mary's delivery, decides it's time for a census. They need just a little bit more money in the coffers, and so they require every male household member, a leader, to go to their home place, if you will, their hometown. And so Joseph was from Bethlehem, the city of David, as a descendant of David. And so they pack up on a mule. And, and again, she's probably eight and a half months pregnant by now. Probably took about three weeks to make the journey. And so she's on the back of this donkey, and they travel like 80 or 90 miles all the way from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. And that's how God pulled it off. That's why there are no accidents. God has a way when he says something. Oh, listen, this is going to be good. When he says something is going to happen, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So we have then Joseph and Mary going to Bethlehem where the Savior is going to be born. No accident. And it's no accident that the Christmas story is a story about shepherds. Whether we're going to start in the Old Testament in Psalm 100. We're going to touch on Psalm 23. Then we're going to jump into Christmas. And then finally, we're going to see the adult Jesus when he says, I am the good shepherd. Now, the shepherd, meek and lowly, 
mirrors the good shepherd, the star of Christmas. Now, we take shepherds and we promote them pretty well. Um, you know, Moses was a shepherd. Oh, Moses was one of our heroes. And so, yeah, how about that? And then David, of course, was uh, the king of Israel, uh, Israel's greatest king. And guess what he was? He was a shepherd. That's why he wrote the 23rd Psalm, The Lord is my shepherd. It was something he was familiar with. And we all love it when the little kids come up on stage around Christmas time and they get mom or dad's bathrobe and put it on and wear the little towel around their head. And we go, isn't that cute? But here's the deal. Here's the deal. In the days of Jesus, shepherds were not looked upon with favor. In fact, Greg Laurie, in a devotion I read this week, said that the shepherds were the lowest of the low on the social ladder. Now, that's important. I said the social ladder. There were some, you know, we talked about Matthew and Zacchaeus and those kind of guys that were tax collectors, and nobody liked them. Nobody liked them at all. And so, so that was, but on the social ladder of the pecking order, the only person lower than the shepherds were lepers. I mean, they, lepers were just like way out there, and so were the shepherds. They weren't trusted. Um, like Judy told me, uh, I think yesterday, we were talking about shepherds and how they were unclean, uh, Okay, let's just be honest. They didn't use deodorant. Okay? They, not only were they, uh, they were unclean physically, they smelled. Okay? So, no, oh, man, nobody wants to be around the shepherd. But also they were spiritually unclean in a sense that they always had to work on Sunday. They always had to work. They never got to church because they were always out in the field caring for the sheep. And that made them spiritually unclean. So the shepherds then were frowned upon. But what's amazing is is when God wanted to announce the birth of his son, who did he announce it to? The lowest of the low. And that's kind of how Jesus worked. If you looked all through Jesus' ministry, he was always talking to, buddying up with, having dinner with, touching the lives of, seeing people that other people would not see. So it just almost seems logical that the, that the Lord would choose to announce Christmas, the birth of the son, to the shepherds. And of course... Jesus could identify with that because guess what? He was poor. He was poor. He, he one time said to a guy, he said, hey, I want to follow you, Jesus. And he said, now, wait just a minute. You need to understand, you know, animals have places to lay their head. I don't even have a place to lay my head. So if you're going to sign up with me, you need to understand you're signing up in poverty. You're not signing up in riches. Um, something I got this week that I read says this, you know, think about it. Jesus was born in a cave. He borrowed food to feed a crowd, fish and bread. He borrowed a coin to illustrate a truth. Remember, he borrowed a coin to put it in the fish's mouth. And he, and he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey and celebrated Passover in a borrowed room. He even died on a borrowed cross that was meant for somebody else, Barabbas. Then he was laid in a borrowed tomb that belonged to Joseph, Arthea. Jesus had nothing of his own. He could really identify with the with the lowly of the low, the lowest of the lowly, because that's exactly where he was. You know, Isaiah, when he wrote about Jesus in Isaiah 53, 2a and 3, says this: there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised, rejected, a man of sorrows acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. And this is probably the hardest part of this verse. He was despised and we did not care. We did not. 
care. You know, it's so important that we care this Christmas. I love that song, Oh, Come All You Faithful. A lot of the Christmas songs just aren't very worshipful, and that one is. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. You know, this is so truthful that, that this Jesus, this, this lowest of the low Jesus, this meek and humble Jesus, this one that was mirrored by the, the shepherds that were the lowest on the social ladder, deserves our praise and deserves our adoration. We should bring that to him. And so, so this idea of joy and shepherd, joy and shepherd, joy and shepherd led me to Psalm 100 verses 1 and 3. And that's going to be our jump off point because it's so interesting that this idea of shepherd was always a big part of God's plan. Now, in Psalm 100, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, we get the, in verse number 1, we hear this, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. I love that song that Trey picked today. Wasn't that awesome where he talked about there's joy. There, listen, 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 listen. There ought to be joy in the house of the Lord every time we gather together. And the song says, there's joy in the house of the Lord. We will not be quiet. There's joy in the house of the Lord. We will shout praise to your name. Now, now, sometimes you say, well, Dwayne, I just don't feel this joy, you know. I've had a really difficult week. I've had a hard week. In fact, can I just be honest, Dwayne? I've had a hard year. Um, my marriage isn't doing really well. Uh, my family's not doing well. There's talk of a layoff. Um, inflation's still a, a real problem in our family finances. Consistently, there's more month than there is money. So, Dwayne, it's hard for me to have joy. Well, that's where, you know, I I guess it's been four or five years that I've been sharing this with you, and we're going to share it now, and I'm pretty sure it's going to pop up in a message um, in January about this idea of joy. Yeah, write this down. Christmas joy is biblical joy. Now, the way we do Christmas, and I love all the traditions. Um, I've got hanging in my kitchen a Santa Claus face um, that's the same year. It's not the original one. But when I was growing up, I had a plastic Santa Claus face that lit up. It was made by the Noma Company. And um, it got lost somewhere in the shuffle when Mom sold the house or something. It got lost. But I grew up with that Santa Claus hanging on my chimney. And one day I decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on eBay and see if I can find one. And I did. And I had to ship it all the way from Canada. And it cost me way too much money. But that's part. All year long, it hangs in my home office, lit up. 24 hours a day, and then at Christmas time, I move it to the chimney, to the old chimney in our kitchen, and that's where you're going to find it today. It's part of that. I love the Christmas traditions, but what's important is we don't lose Jesus in the Christmas traditions that we have today. It's so easy, and the joy that we're looking for is not found in the traditions. It's not found in the meals. It's not found in all of that stuff. The Christmas joy, which is biblical joy, is found in Jesus. Now, here's the definition. You've heard it dozens of times from me. You'll hear it today, and then you're going to hear it probably in January and on down the year also. Here it is. Biblical joy. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being. Let's pause there. Biblical joy is a deep sense of well-being. Okay? A deep sense of well-being. You remember the song, It is well with my soul? It is well with my soul. 
you know, those sea billows roll as well in my soul. You know, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about, you know, biblical joy is not bound by circumstances. It's not bound what kind of week or day or year or you've had. Biblical joy is based on, it's a deep sense of well-being, based on our faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. That changes everything. That changes everything. So, so as we march through Christmas this year, okay, as we do this Christmas thing, let's determine to have biblical joy. Shout with joy. What kind of joy? Biblical joy. A deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. Shout with joy to the Lord. Who? All the earth. All, let everyone know that you sell it. All right, okay. Let everyone know that you're re- mm-hmm. Your reason for celebrating is not traditions. Your reason for celebrating is the fact that Jesus Christ came and was born, lived a sinless life, died on a rugged cross, buried and resurrected, and as Brother Brent always says, coming back again. That's why we celebrate. That's why we said, that was a good place to say amen or shout or do something. I don't know. But it's, it's a good reason to do something. Now look at verse number two. Worship the Lord. With gladness. Worship the Lord with gladness. And a direct first cousin of gladness is gratitude. Be thankful for what God is doing in your life. And again, I know, I know. You say, well, Dwayne, I just don't feel like I've got a lot to be grateful for. Well, the Lord's teaching me. I'm, I've, he's taught me that, you know, uh, the psalm says, you know, this is the day that the Lord hath made, and we're going to rejoice and be glad in it. He's teaching me to say that and pray that every day, even on the days when things don't go exactly right. Like I woke up this morning, and I, and I had this crud bug, you know, going on and coughing. and jump. I don't think I'm contagious, by the way. I really don't think I am. Uh, it's not COVID either. It's just that y'all got that coffee thing. You know what I'm talking about, that coffee thing going on. Well, I just coughed. So, so I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm praying, and I, you know, I don't really feel that well. And so I'm saying, hey, God, hey, God, listen, um, I want you to know something. I don't feel very good today. But however, this is the day that you have made and help me to rejoice and be glad in it. And I knew in a couple of hours, I'm going to stand up twice, going to get twice and preach the word of God. It's the favorite thing I do these days. And so I was going to get that opportunity. And I'm saying, Lord, would you help me to do a good job and get through this in a a powerful way? And then he reminded me of something. He reminded me, see, that, that, you know, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13 verse. Okay, remember that verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay, then he reminds me that before that verse, you know what he's talking about? Contentment. Contentment. Paul's in prison, locked up in prison, facing his head being cut off, you know. And he goes, I've just learned to be content. I've learned, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the circumstances are, I've learned to be content. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I wanted to pray, God, make my body better. And then God seemed to say, be thankful for the body you got. Be thankful. Yeah, it's not working like you want it to work. But hey, it's not about you anyway, Dwayne. It's about me. It's, come on, Amen. Amen? Okay, so, so it's just hugely important. We need to be grateful. We need to keep our eyes, keep our eyes focused. Keep our eyes focused on gratitude. To worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him. How? Singing with joy. Again, it's not about the style of the music, loud or soft, fast or slow. It's all about Jesus. All about Jesus. And it's, it's based on my, what? My deep sense of well-being based on my faith in God. 
and trust in a sovereign will. C.S. Lewis said something that this, at first you read this and it wouldn't make any sense. In fact, you know, this biblical definition of joy changes a lot of things. But C.S. Lewis said, joy is the... I think I just died. There, now I'm back. Now you see me, now you don't. All right? So, yeah, C.S. Lewis is the joy is the serious business of heaven. And that, of all the things you say, well, why is joy, why is joy the big serious business of heaven? Because... Joy is based on my faith in God and trust in in his sovereign will. And that is serious business in heaven. Faith has always been serious business. Um, Trust has always been serious business. So this idea, this concept of Christmas joy is so, so um, important. So then in verse number three of Psalm 100, okay, here we are. Acknowledge, acknowledge that the Lord is God. Okay, so so the first thing we're going to do this Christmas season, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your favor, you know you can call God Father, dearest Daddy. That's been nailed down in your life. Number one, acknowledge that He's God in your life. We we you know I love this this old saying. You know I know there is a God, and I'm sure I'm not Him. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we want to take matters in our own home hand and act like, you know, we're God. Okay, we're not. So we're going to acknowledge that the Lord is God. One, two, he made us and we are his. So he is the creator and I'm the created. He's the creator and I'm the created. And the created has no business telling the creator what to do. Does that make sense? Doesn't that make sense? Okay, and watch. We are his people, and here come the sheep. <laughs> here comes the sheep. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There we go. C4, explosive joy, and the fact that we are sheep in his fold. And I'm not sure exactly when this came or how it came, but it's so, so, so true. One, he's my God. Two, he's the creator, and I'm the created. And three, he takes responsibility for me. Write that down. Some of, you, some of y'all need this right now. You know, God has agreed to take responsibility for me. Because I'm telling you, do you feel wore out sometime? You're trying to take responsibility for your life. And, oh, guess what? You're not equipped for that. You know, hey, students, you're not equipped to take full responsibility. Yeah, you got mom and dad, but even they're not responsible for your life. Okay, God is responsible. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he took responsibility for your life. And he takes responsibility for every one of his children. Okay, you know, the job of the shepherd, the job of the shepherd, the responsibility of the shepherd is to care for the sheep. That's it. That's it. And in Psalm 100, verse 3, we are his people. We are the sheep of his pasture. You know, David said it best in Psalm 23, verses 1, and then we're going to tag on verse number 4. David said, the great shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd. God is my shepherd. And look at this, look at this. I have all that I need. Now, not all that I want. In fact, am I the only one in the room that's lived long enough to be thankful for unanswered prayers? Yeah. You know, sometimes we're just certain this is what we want from God, and it doesn't come, and later on we go, oh, my gosh. I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer in the affirmative. So, so again, the word of God is always true, and when David said, the Lord's my shepherd, I have all that I need. Because why? He took responsibility for my life. He knows my path. 
He knows my future. He knows my past. He knows today. And he takes responsibility that he gives me all that I need. And then in verse number four, to tie in the shepherd idea where we are with the crook, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. And, you know, the rod and staff are just so, so important. You know, our teaching point says this. The staff, the staff was the shepherd's tool for rescue and protection. Now, let me pause there, and I'll read that last sentence, which ties it all together. The shepherd would carry this, this staff, tall, and on the top it had a crook, okay, and the bottom. So, with the blunt end of the staff, okay, he would use it to protect the sheep. It became a weapon, a weapon. You know, in that area, David talked about when he was taking on Goliath. He said, I've, I've killed bears and I've killed lions. So it's a very formidable we- weapon. And then the crook was used for rescue and redemption. When the sheep got it down in a, a place where it shouldn't be, uh, perhaps down in a ravine, the sheep reached down and pull him up and pull him out. So, so a multi-purpose tool, the staff is, a multi-purpose tool, it demonstrates the multi-purpose love of our good shepherd for us. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Your rod and your staff, they bring comfort. The idea of God protecting me against whatever could harm me brings me comfort. The, no, the, the idea that should I stumble and fall, that the good shepherd can reach down and pull me out of the mess that I've got myself in brings me comfort. Your rod and your staff, they do comfort me. Well, then we move, finally, we move from the Old Testament. We could stay there a long time. We could stay even longer there. But then we move up to Christmas. So the baby's born, and God needs to send out a birth announcement. You know, y'all have done that before, haven't you, when you have a baby, you know? And, and you know, and they say, hey, so-and-so was born, weighed this much, this long, and named after this aunt or uncle or whatever. You know, we've all done that. Well, God wants to send out a birth announcement that his son had been born. And he does this in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 10. And the Bible says, and the angel, the angel, and the shepherds are out on the field, you know, doing their sheep thing, all right? And the angel appears to them and frightens them to death. And you would be too. You'd be too. And the angel said to them, fear not. Now, I know, just so you know, I'm not getting old. And forgetful, I know we talked about this last week. And you know what? I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about it some more. Because it's so, so important. One of the primary messages, someone needs this today. Someone on Facebook, someone on the radio, someone here. Okay? That one of the primary messages of Christmas is fear not. There's a lot to be fearful of. There's a lot to be fearful of. Sometimes it's a doctor visit. Sometimes, again, like I mentioned, the job. It's, it's the fear that your husband's going to walk out. Your, your mom and dad are going to divorce and leave in a split home. You know, there's so much that we can be fearful of. And the message of Christmas is fear not. The message from God is fear not. Remember the verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So let me remind you. When the angel went to Mary with the big news that she'd been chosen by God to have the baby Jesus, a virgin birth, Okay, you remember what the angel said to her? Yeah, fear not. Fear not. And then, and, then, and then when Joseph was contemplating divorcing Mary and putting her away privately, the angel shows up and says, hey, 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 do not, fear not. 
fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what the baby she carries is holy. It's holy. It's from God. Oh, oh, and then, and then when the, angels, the angel shows up to the shepherds, guess what the message is? Fear not. Now look at me. You know what God's message for you is today? Fear not. Why don't you write that down? God's message for me, no matter what my circumstances are, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I may face, no matter what I did in the past, his message is, Fear not. Fear not. And here's the message. Fear not. For behold, I bring you good, no- good news of great joy. Good news. That's the slogan from, from Operation Christmas Child. Good news of great joy that shall be for all people. And I love this. I love this. You know, Jesus is the narrow way. He is the narrow way. He's the only way to heaven. But God throws open the doors and says anybody can come in. Red, yellow, black, white, rich or poor, lowest of the lowest or highest of the highest. Everyone's invited if they'll come by the way of the cross. I bring you great joy that shall be for all people. So here's the question. You see, the the idea, the thought is, what is the great news? What is the great news? The great news is found in verse number 11. I just threw Jamal a curve. There we go. Thank you, bud. Okay. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a what? A Savior. The big news, the big news was... Born for you in the city of David, Bethlehem, is a Savior who is Christ the Messiah, the Lord. Christ the Messiah, the Lord. I love this. I love this. You know, Max Lucado, it's been attributed to several people, but this particular version of it uh, I took from Max Lucado's um, readings. And here's what he says, you know. Um, If our greatest need, if our greatest need had been for information... God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been for technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been for money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. He looked down from heaven and saw man and all the mess that we were. And he understood what you need to hear me say today. That their greatest need and your greatest need is the forgiveness of God. If you are here today and you have never received this great gift of of the Christ child who grew grew to be a man who grew to die on a Roman cross, who was buried, died, he's buried, and comes back to life on the third day. If you've never received that gift, then today is your great day. Today, you can receive the forgiveness of God. No matter what you've done in the past, no matter how wretched your past is, God can forgive your sins. You know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We, reach a, we can reach a state where in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 1, there's no condemnation. Somebody say no condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. 
The charges have been dropped. The charges have been erased. And we are declared not guilty. We can be declared not guilty if we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And then, and then the dam breaks. The dam breaks. It, you know, the angel, the angel states, makes a statement, okay? And, and if you look at verse number, verse number 13 and 14, suddenly, 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 the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. We were singing that song. I just know Trey just saw that and grabbed that for that reason. You know, the, the armies of heaven, you know, our God's the commander of the armies of heaven. And all of a sudden, the dam breaks and the worship just explodes across the skies. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those to whom God is pleased. The, the, the message was so big and so strong, it just burst out of heaven. And that's the message of heaven. I had somebody ask me and said, well, Dwayne, you know, the Bible says that Jesus, you know, came to bring peace. And yet the world's all tore up. Well, did you read it carefully? Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth where? To those, to those with whom God is pleased. See, peace is an individual thing now. When we receive Jesus Christ as Savior, we can have the peace with God, but we also get the peace of God. But it's for those who, with whom God is pleased. Now, how, how is God's favor shown upon us? Without, Hebrews eleven six, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So the message is this. For each person who will put their faith in God through uh, faith in Jesus to have a relationship with God, they can have peace now, peace with God, peace of God. And one day, again, uh, Brother Brent mentioned it later on, Jesus is coming back. And one day he will rule and reign on this earth and there will be worldwide peace. It's just not now. But you can have peace in your life right now if you choose Jesus. If you choose Jesus. Our teaching point is this. At Jesus' birth announcement, heaven explodes. Heaven explodes with angelic joy. God has come to rescue and redeem. Good news of great joy. And that's the message of Christmas. Jesus came to rescue and redeem. God, God became a baby, strapped on flesh, lived a sinful life, died on a Roman cross, buried resurrected the third day and coming back. Good news of great joy. But we got one more shepherd story. And that's Jesus himself. He, he's gone from being prophesied about in the Old Testament. He's gone beyond being a babe in the cradle. And now he's a full-grown man. And here's what Jesus says about himself. He says in John 10, 14 and 50, I am the good shepherd. Now, you do see the big truth here. I know you do. I am. You remember. You remember in the Old Testament when Moses is getting commissioned to go back to the children of Israel in Egypt. You know, and, and Moses says, so 
what am I supposed to tell these people when they say, and who is it that exactly sent you? And you know what God said? Remember, don't you? God said, tell them, I am sent you. I am that I am. Every now, when I say, I am Dwayne Taylor, that just means I'm Dwayne Taylor. But when he said this, when he said, I am the good shepherd, he's saying, as God, I am the good shepherd. I'm just not a good shepherd. As God, I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Look at me. Jesus, if you're his, Jesus knows you intimately. He knows all the pain, all the sorrow, and all the hurt. See, isn't that what we normally do? Oh, no, he knows that sin I committed last week, and he knows that sin I committed. Why not celebrate the fact that he knows your hurt, he knows your pain, he knows your sorrow, he knows what you're going through, and he cares. Why don't we celebrate that instead? Because your sin's under grace. Embrace this, I know my own. And he says, my own knows me. We have this intimate relationship. With Jesus. And look what it says. You know, just as my father knows me and I know my father. In the same way that Jesus, oh, this is so good. In the same way that, the, that Jesus has this intimate relationship with the father, we have the same intimate relationship with Jesus. Isn't that cool? You know, every once in a while, you know somebody, it may be somebody of some importance. Oh, yeah, I know them, and I feel cool that I know them. Man, Jesus knows me. Jesus knows. And guess what? If if you know Jesus, he knows you. Invites you to know him in the same way that the Father and the Son know one another. How wonderful is that? So this Christmas, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. This Christmas, I want you to celebrate, but I want you to celebrate with biblical joy. Christmas joy is biblical joy. We've got a great program planned on Wednesday night. Brent came up with the title last year, Extreme Christmas. I'm going to blow him out of the water. That title's already taken. That describes what happened Christmas morning. God gave the most extreme Christmas ever. That, that every person, every man, every woman and child could have forgiveness of sins and become children of God. It doesn't get more extreme than that. So today I want to give you an invitation. My brother Brent would be down front. My friend would be down front. I want to invite you. If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, listen, can I just be honest with you? You don't need church. Well, you need church, but you don't need church. You don't need religion. Well, you just don't need religion. What you need is Jesus. Every once in a while, somebody will come and say, yeah, I need to get back to church. Maybe you just need to get back to Jesus. You know? I, I, I need to get religion. No, you, we don't need religion. You need Jesus. And no matter what you've done, he throws the door open today to you. He invites you into the family. And then for the rest of us who know him, I want to encourage you as you celebrate Christmas this year, to celebrate with biblical joy. Man, I'm going to love the traditions. This is Eaton Week. 
I've got to eat meeting tonight. I've got one on Tuesday. I got one on Wednesday, and I got one on Friday. This is eating week, but I'm not going to let the eating and the partying get in the way of my extreme Christmas, my extreme joy with Jesus. Let's not lose Jesus in all the hoopla. Let's make sure that we celebrate him. Would you bow your heads, please? Wow, thank you all for listening so well today. Again, my invitation, Brent will be down here in just a moment, and my invitation for you is to come, to come. Receive this greatest gift ever. My invitation is for you as one of his children to just celebrate, just celebrate this Christmas with biblical joy. Father, thank you very much for the privilege of sharing today. I pray you will take the truth, Father, and magnify it, amplify it, Father, in the ears of the people. If there's a friend here or maybe on Facebook or maybe on the radio who's struggling with life and they've, they've, they've tried new ways and new techniques, give them the gift that matters, and that's your son, Jesus. Call them to the family today. And Father, for the rest of us and all of us, may we celebrate this Christmas with biblical joy, a deep sense of well-being based on our faith in God and trust in his sovereign will. Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.